0: This is your host, Victoria, and in today's episode, we're talking all about imposter syndrome. What is it? Why do we get it? How does it serve us? How does it not serve us? And what can we do to reframe this pattern of thoughts to make sure it does not stand in our way? If you have a little second now, and you generally enjoy listening to the episodes on my podcast, I would really appreciate it if you took just one second to hop on the Apple Podcast app and give it a five-star rating or review. I would love to read what you have to say. I really hope you enjoy this episode, and feel free to let me know what you think. Welcome to the Victoria Sardine Podcast, where you'll discover actionable tools, tips, and tricks as well as inspiring conversations to support you to change your own reality. We all have immense personal power within us. We all have the ability to be the person we look up to the most and take charge of our lives and our future. Sometimes we just need a little insight, a little change of perspective and a friendly nudge to take the step. Are you ready? Hey guys, today we're talking about imposter syndrome. So I did a little poll on Instagram asking who has felt imposter syndrome in the past and a ridiculous 97% I think of you said that you have either felt imposter syndrome or generally are feeling imposter syndrome in the present. So I thought this would be a very relevant topic that many of you would probably appreciate. So first of all, what is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is a pattern of feelings that you feel like a fraud, you feel like someone is going to realize that you're in the wrong room, in the wrong place, or was wrongly hired for the job, or they mixed up the CVs when they picked yours, basically that you're not where you should be. Now this can be in the workspace, it is often the case, however it can be in any aspect of your life. So... Personally, I had really strong imposter syndrome when I was in Spanish class in university. I think I was in B2, which is a relatively high level. And the entire semester, I would have this anxious knot in my stomach that someone would find out that I don't actually speak Spanish. (laughs) And somehow I kept getting away with it and I got through it all semester and I still passed my exam. So clearly I must have been actually in the right level. But I kept having this voice in my head thinking... Watch out, maybe today is the day someone's going to realize you don't actually speak this language. So it can be in any part of your life. You can have it as a parent. You could have this feeling of being an imposter in a group you've joined, whether that be around an activity or a hobby. Maybe you have imposter syndrome about starting a project that you're a little bit nervous about doing. It's essentially this unjustified doubting in your own skill or ability. So let's start by saying that imposter syndrome is extremely common. And what's interesting is that often when we have this feeling of being an imposter, we feel like everyone else belongs, but I don't. Or everyone else speaks Spanish, (laughs) but I don't. Or everyone else is extremely qualified for this role, but I'm not. We feel like everybody's in the right place and we are the fraud or we are the imposter. However, what's so interesting is that a study has shown that about 70% of people will feel imposter syndrome at some point in their career. And I think that since this is focused on work, it could extend even more than that because it doesn't necessarily have to be only in work. What's interesting is within this 70%, there's definitely people that we look up to that also have imposter syndrome. So Michelle Obama, for example, has expressed feelings of having imposter syndrome or Sheryl Sandberg, the CEO of Facebook, has expressed feelings of imposter syndrome. So it's something that is very common and what's interesting is to look into why we have imposter syndrome so there's lots of different schools of thought on this topic some tie it to specific personality traits initially when it was first studied in the 70s it was said to happen only to women but has since been proven wrong many also say it can be related to our environment or to our upbringing There's also a lot to say about the general cognitive biases that we experience and how these can multiply to create this feeling of imposter syndrome. So an example would be the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is essentially a cognitive bias hypothesis that unskilled individuals often overestimate their ability, but high skilled individuals often underestimate their ability. There's also the worse than average effect, which is the tendency to underestimate one's own capabilities in relation to others. So there's many different ways in which perhaps the cognitive biases that we have in combination with our specific personality and our environment and upbringing can combine to create this reoccurring feeling of imposter syndrome. Now, whenever we hear about imposter syndrome in general, it's always put forth as being something inherently bad or negative. We often talk about how to overcome imposter syndrome or how to get rid of imposter syndrome. But I generally like being a little bit of the devil's advocate and trying to flip that on its head and asking, how does it serve us? And this is something that I ask a lot of my clients whenever we look into Perhaps some of their quote unquote negative habits or behaviors, I like asking them, how does it how does it serve you? And the general answer is it doesn't. It doesn't serve me in any way, shape, or form. I want out, I want to get rid of it. For example, you know, procrastination is something that a lot of my clients come to me for and they say I constantly procrastinate, I do other tasks and avoid the thing that's really important or really urgent, and I end up being caught in last minute stress and i want to stop procrastinating and when i ask how does procrastination serve you they say it doesn't but when we dig a little bit deeper we can find out that yeah maybe actually procrastination allows you to stay busy to avoid something right in the instance procrastination serves you in the long run agreed it doesn't but in the moment it serves you to some extent because it allows you to avoid something so my clients will dig down a little bit deeper to figure out what specifically they're avoiding one of those things could even be imposter syndrome so using that same frame of mind using that same technique we're going to try break down how does imposter syndrome serve us is there a positive to it is there a reason why it's something that so many of us deal with and if it didn't serve us in any way shape or form and there wasn't anything inherently even slightly positive about it why would 70 percent of us be experiencing it there's once again different schools of thought on this different studies that were performed In general, looking at my personal experience, experience with what I've had with clients, I find that imposter syndrome often pushes us to second-guess ourselves. It pushes us to sidestep maybe some of the other cognitive biases that might make us overestimate our knowledge, and instead, dealing with imposter syndrome pushes us to second guess ourselves. Maybe it encourages us to seek out more information, to learn more about the topic that we feel like a quote unquote fraud on. Maybe it pushes us to take up an extra course, do our reading. For my personal example, I know that it really pushed me to make sure I do my Spanish homework regardless of the situation. I do think that it can serve in the sense that it might encourage us to seek to improve our skills. One study even suggested that imposter syndrome might even serve as a motivating factor, in the sense that when we have this feeling that there's an area in which we really need to improve in, or that we are quote unquote a fraud, or we need to prove that we belong somewhere, it might motivate us to keep going, it might motivate us to improve. Now, there's also a reason why imposter syndrome is most of the time framed as something inherently bad or negative, there are of course downsides to it so let's look a little bit at how imposter syndrome does not serve us well one of the examples i gave previously was procrastination so sometimes if we have this feeling of imposter syndrome we have this fear of being caught out we have this fear that everyone in the office will realize that we have no idea what we're doing at our job so we might find ourselves procrastinating and fear is often a cause of procrastination because we're so scared of failing we're so scared of being caught out we're so scared of doing the wrong thing that we sometimes have this weird thought that if i don't try at least i can't fail now another way in which imposter syndrome can affect the way in which we work or the way in which we live it can bring us to a place where we are reluctant to ask for help so when we feel like someone is going to find out that we have no idea what we're doing then we'd almost rather stay quiet, stay in the back and not speak up, not ask for help and not express that we need help because we know that maybe if we speak up, then we'll for sure get caught out. Similarly, it can make us avoid asking for feedback. We know that asking for feedback is a great way in which to develop not only our career and our work, but to constantly improve ourselves. However, when we feel like a fraud, we avoid asking for feedback because we're scared that might open up the door. Imposter syndrome can lead us to also not being decisive because we are finding ourselves in a loop of doubt. When we find ourselves in this loop of doubt, we don't make a decision, we don't move forward. Maybe we don't advance in the project. Maybe we don't ask for a promotion. Maybe we don't raise our hand when your boss asks who wants to take up the project or you don't express yourself in a meeting. So it can definitely have negative effects and it's always interesting to look at the contrast of how does it serve us on one side compared to how does it not serve us on the other and when we look at both sides like this that's where we can bring them together and ask how can we reframe this we understand now that it is a pattern of thought that has its purpose to some extent however can bring a lot of negatives so how can we reframe that in order to keep the driving, motivating factor that maybe pushes us to second-guess ourselves, encourages us to seek out more information, to constantly learn and improve, without letting it pull us back, without letting it make us play small. So, ways in which we can reframe it is, first of all, remembering that everyone gets imposter syndrome even the people you look up to the most everyone gets it not only that but no one in life knows what they're doing i think this realization for me was the biggest most life-changing realization because I always had this idea in my head, everyone knows what they're doing except for me. Everyone is you know, filing their taxes perfectly, I feel like I don't really know what's going on here. Or everyone knows exactly how to start their own business and following perfect steps and I feel like I'm weighing it. In the end, no one really knows what they're doing and understanding that takes so much pressure off. Another way to reframe it is instead of seeing it as a really negative, uncomfortable behavior, flipping it on its head and saying, actually maybe imposter syndrome is a byproduct of being out of your comfort zone. Maybe imposter syndrome is a feeling that just tells you, yep, you're a little bit out of your depths or yep, this is something new or yep, you're pushing yourself here. You are out of your comfort zone and you're trying something maybe never tried before. We can flip it around and we can try, look at it as a positive and say, actually, if i'm not feeling like a little bit of an imposter if i'm not feeling like i'm just a tiny bit out of my depths then maybe i'm not in the right room Then maybe i'm not in the right place then maybe i need to challenge myself a little bit more a third way of reframing it that can really help is looking for evidence rather than playing on emotion so as i said before imposter syndrome is essentially the unjustified doubting of skill so it is unjustified in the sense that you most likely have the skill that you need in order to perform the job or activity or whatever you're doing however this sentiment kicks in and it's unjustified and makes us feel like a fraud even though we're not so sometimes reconnecting with that conscious thought of okay how am i qualified for this what do i have to bring what are my strengths What are my unique skills that I will be able to share with this team or with this group? So gathering the evidence rather than focusing on emotion. However, as always, I suggest looking at both sides. So looking, yes, what strengths do I have? What do I have to bring? In what ways am I not a fraud? But then also asking ourselves, are there places in which I do need to upskill? Are there new things that I do need to learn? Maybe new techniques? Maybe I need to put in an extra hour aside a week in order to work on something. It's really about seeing both sides, gathering the evidence, trying to keep the emotion out, saying, what do I have to offer? Which ways am I not a fraud? And what are the parts in which I need to upskill? So to wrap this up, I'm gonna give you a little activity. And if you can think of an instance, maybe in your present life in which you're feeling imposter syndrome, or if you're not feeling it at the moment, perhaps you can think back to a time in which you were feeling imposter syndrome and try play with this activity, just to practice asking ourselves these questions and hopefully turn this into a habit that we turn to whenever we are feeling imposter syndrome. The first question you want to ask yourself is, okay, I'm feeling like an imposter. Where do I need to upscale? What do I still have to learn? What plan can I put in place in order to upskill?" Is there a course I want to take? Should I order a book online? Should I go speak to somebody? Basically acknowledging and accepting that we always have more to learn. And if we're feeling imposter syndrome, it's probably because we're slightly out of our comfort zone, which is great. But it might mean that there's opportunity for growth there and that there's something we could be learning as well. Second question is, what do i have to offer in which ways am i not a fraud in which ways am i perfect for the job or in which ways am i right in my place in this group or whatever it is that you're experiencing this is something that can be so powerful and so helpful especially when you need that little kick in the butt i'll give you a small example right after graduating university i decided to launch myself as a wellness consultant and i recontacted a previous employer and decided to book in a meeting with the CEO and speak to him about how I could help with my consultancy services. So I was on the train over to see the CEO of this very upscale luxury brand and I had this overwhelming feeling of imposter syndrome. I'm not sure if it was even imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome suggests that it's unjustified doubting of skill. And here I was as a 23 year old young graduate of university. It was beyond imposter syndrome. It was true doubt, probably justified to some extent, but there was definitely some imposter syndrome in there as well. Now I didn't go through the first step of this activity. I didn't ask myself where I need to upskill because in reality I was on my way to this meeting and doing that would not have been very helpful. So I skipped straight to step two where I asked myself, what do I have to offer? what can i bring one of the reasons why i felt like such an imposter was about my age i was obviously very young but while i was writing about what i had to offer i realized that my age was actually a strength I was a young graduate i was motivated i was full of ideas i had learned lots in university i had traveled i had seen the way that things were being done in other companies and i couldn't wait to share all of my thoughts all of my ideas and bring fresh juice into this more traditional long-standing brand reflecting over this on my way to the meeting gave me so much more confidence stepping into it. And I could really express myself in the meeting showing off that confidence. And that's where imposter syndrome can catch us because we can be extremely skilled and we can have a lot to offer. But if imposter syndrome makes us seem low in confidence, the person you're speaking to will think, well, they don't really seem convinced with their own skill. So why should I be convinced with their skill? I really tried to flip this in my mind on my way over there and that really really helped me just to give myself the boost to give myself the confidence to go in there explain what i had to offer and in the end everything worked out perfectly and i ended up getting the gig so it can make a massive massive difference So that was a little example about the second step of this little activity, which is asking yourself what you have to offer. Put a timer on for five minutes and list out everything you can bring, everything you've learned that might help you bring your unique skills to the table. Third point to this little activity is asking for feedback. And this is the part that's definitely a little bit more tricky, definitely a little bit more uncomfortable. If you're thinking back at a past example, of course you can't do this, but perhaps you can think about what is a way in which you could have asked for feedback. Asking for feedback when we're deep in imposter syndrome can be terrifying because we have this avoidant tendency where we think if I don't say anything, if I just sit in the back, no one will notice I'm a fraud. That was me in Spanish class, you know, I never raised my hand, I never said anything. I just sat there quietly hoping I could be invisible and no one would realize I don't speak Spanish. But what I've come to realize and come to learn is that true strength, true knowledge and true confidence comes from being able to ask for feedback. It's going up to your superior and saying, Hey, I haven't gotten feedback in a while. Just want to make sure I'm on the right track. Is everything okay? A lot of the time when we feel really avoidant and we're scared to ask for feedback, it's because we assume that if we don't say anything, no one will notice. Or if we don't say anything, your supervisor will assume that you're doing the job perfectly. And the second you open up the discussion, then they'll realize the opposite. However, what I've really come to learn through personal experience is that if you don't say anything, if you don't speak up, if you don't start that conversation, they're not going to assume that everything's going perfectly. In fact, the opposite of that. What I find helpful sometimes is reminding ourselves, they're probably going to assume I'm doing nothing if I say nothing. And that's where that proactive behavior can really help. Asking for feedback, asking, what do I need to improve on? Is there something I need to change? And although that's really hard to do in the instance, especially when we're feeling imposter syndrome, it's something that can really help us recover from imposter syndrome. When you have the supervisor saying, actually, no, you know what? You're doing a really good job. Or saying, everything's going great, but maybe you can improve in X, Y, Z areas. All of a sudden there's clarity. And if there's one thing I've realized from imposter syndrome, it's that not having clarity feeds it. Silence feeds it. Avoidance feeds it. It's like everything with life. I always talk about not sweeping things under the rug. It's the same with imposter syndrome. If you feel like you don't belong, if you feel like the job you're in is way over your head, talk about it. Ask for feedback. Make sure that everyone's on the same page because in reality, staying quiet does not make the issue go away. It only makes it build up. Maybe it's only building up in your head, but that's enough to bring you down. That's enough to add stress to your life. That's enough to make it feel like you're dragging your feet to work or giving you a knot in your belly all day long when maybe everything's fine. Maybe everything's fine and there's one small tweak you could make to improve your work life, talking about it will bring clarity. And clarity is how you beat imposter syndrome. So I really hope that that was helpful, guys. If you have ever felt imposter syndrome and any of the points that I've mentioned have resonated with you or spoken to you, then please let me know. Send me a quick message. Let me know what you thought about this episode and share with anybody you know who has ever told you that they're maybe dealing with imposter syndrome. Maybe they're dealing with it right now. Forward them this episode and give them that boost. Give them that support in order to be able to pull themselves out of it. I hope you enjoyed and I will see you next week for a brand new episode.